Thanks for listening to the KC Morning Show. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. What's today? Today happens to be National Good Neighbor Day. Idly ho, neighborinos. Hi, neighbor. It is a blessing to have a good neighbor. Well, a good neighbor is a good neighbor. National Good Neighbor Day. I'm a good neighbor. Just being a good neighbor. Hi, neighbor. Hello, neighbor. Okay, my friends, it's showtime. Sorrell, the founder and executive editor of the Kansas City Defender, back on your KC Morning Show. Always a good time when the KC Defender's back on the show and we get after it. You know we're getting after it, y'all. So maybe rate, review, subscribe, maybe tell your friends about what we got going on on your KC Morning Show. We are up for best local podcast, apparently, and I didn't even realize this. I should really check my email. Voting ends for the best ofs for the pitch September 30th. And if you are like me and you've waited to the last minute to do this homework, well, it's time. TikTok. TikTok. ThePitchKC.com for more info, updates, bios, Kansas City. I love you. That's all I got. It is a good day to be a Kansas Cityan. Always because of you, Kansas City. We'll see you in the morning. Bye. Ryan Sorrell and the Kansas City Defender. My man, I'm so proud of you. Founder, executive editor of the Kansas City Defender. This moment is yours, man. Tell me how everything has been. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's always good coming back onto the show. It's always an honor. You have been with us since the very beginning and supporting our work and very grateful for that. And things have been going very well. We actually were just a finalist at the Institute for Nonprofit News for Startup of the Year. We were also a finalist for Emerging Leaders of the Year. Just been continuing to grow and, and doing a lot of work and earning trust, despite what a lot of people might think. That's something that we had to get into later, but we have been earning a lot of trust, especially amongst Black people in our community. So I would say overall, all things have been going very well and you know we're gonna get into that you know we're gonna get into <laughs> all of that and uh what it's been a year and a half maybe two years since we've been connected we got a chance to meet you in person just a couple weeks ago man you are a lovely human being my brother i appreciate that a lot and you are too Tell me about this journey. Black media is alive and well in Kansas City. Independent media is alive and well in Kansas City. And it's a show me state, especially though in the black community. You got to show us. You got to show me. And y'all are showing everybody. It's been going good. I mean, just a couple of the stories that that we are very proud of that we have reported recently. We had an exclusive interview with the family of Kevin Johnson. I'm not sure how many people 
are familiar with Kevin Johnson, but he's currently on death row in St. Louis. We traveled all the way out to St. Louis to interview his family because not a lot of media willing to advocate on behalf of someone who is on death row. A very riveting story and a very sad story, truthfully. And that's something that's available to be viewed on our website. But we were willing to tell his story. And so you can find that on YouTube. We, we performed a long form exclusive interview. We're the only ones to have performed such an interview with his family and, and to advocate for clemency, for him to not be put to death. Right now, he's scheduled to be murdered by the state this November. That's just one of the, the bigger stories that we've been working on. We also participated in Black Restaurant Week and we're uplifting a number of Black-owned restaurants in the city. One of my favorite pieces, I don't know if you've come across that piece yet, but the food is amazing and we got to meet a lot of Black business owners. As I mentioned, we went to LA to participate in the Institute for Nonprofit News Awards just this past week. We've actually also been nominated by the local online independent news publishers, which is one of the largest newspaper associations, nonprofit news associations across the country. We were nominated for an award with them as well for the Community Engagement Award. Most recently, as you mentioned, we went on to the Hot 103 Jams, talking a lot about Black mental health and mental health in the Black community and trying to deconstruct and dismantle these stigmas in our community, especially amongst Black men like ourselves who often don't feel like we can be expressive about the tribulations and challenges that we are dealing with as it relates to mental health, whether it's trauma, us having to hold things inside. And oftentimes, because we've been socialized into this certain form of masculinity, then we don't feel like we can be expressive about our emotions and things like that. And especially in our community, we have been especially socialized into these ideals of masculinity. That's something that we are trying to deconstruct. And we had one of our interns, actually, a high school intern, wrote that initial piece on mental health in the Black community. And I wrote a follow-up piece. And it, it's been getting a lot of very positive feedback. And most recently, one of our students, our former interns who just went out to college, she goes to the University of Connecticut. She recently wrote a piece on Black students in white schools. Both of us can relate to that experience. And that's something that has been resonating with a lot of people as well. Just overall, continuing to grow very, very quickly, not only locally, but across the country. This is just a very exciting time for us. And we are facing some challenges. But, you know, with any uh, great journey comes great challenges that we are always willing to take head on. We're not afraid of any white media outlets. Just like we said from the very beginning, we're not afraid of any attacks that people have on us. We are going to continue to build out and, and grow with our community. And the work is, is fascinating. Again, plug that website for these folks. Absolutely. It's KansasCityDefender.com. That's KansasCityDefender.com. Let's talk about this, Ryan. September, National Suicide Prevention Month, Suicide Awareness Month. You went on to my cousin's show, Brian B. Shine and I Hot 103, the morning grind over on Hot 103. You know, I was hospitalized. I tried to take my own life back in 2017. And in mm. my group of folks in the hospital, you know, there was close to 20 of us. Only three of us were men or identified as men. And of us three, I was the only black guy in the room. And I know those numbers are higher in real life because we exist in real life. And in this era where we're trying to destigmatize mental health, this the idea of talking about mental health, but also we got to talk about the back end and the front end of what it means to be affected by mental health and what it does to your family, your community, generationally. That is what you all are doing at the Kansas City Defender. Absolutely. A part of that process, I think a lot of this really just takes reflection, particularly in the black community. I think oftentimes we are a very resilient people and we were able to survive. And so because of that, 
because we survived, there's nothing wrong with us. For instance, whether it's something like, you know, getting whoopings when you were younger and we say, you know, it didn't have any effect on me. I turned out fine. My parents cussed me out or something like that, you know, but I still turned out fine. We all think we turned out fine, but we don't realize that we did internalize some of those things that we were parented in or that we were socialized into. We actually did internalize a lot of those things. And those things aren't always healthy things and they can, in fact, be harmful. And don't even think about talking about it with somebody outside the family. Oh, no. Oh, don't you even go there. Exactly. Exactly. Like I mentioned before, like I mentioned on Hot 103 Jams as well, us black men, we are told not to talk about our feelings. That's point blank. We're told that that's a thing that girls do. We're told that it will make us soft. We might be called homophobic slurs. There's all kinds of reasons why we're told that we should not be talking about our feelings. Even in the black community as well, we're told not to go to therapy or that you have to have some type of issue going on. Or a lot of people say a therapist won't understand what's going on with me. Why would I trust a random person? And so there's just all these reasons why we don't go to therapists. Some of them are legitimate because of things like the Tuskegee experiment, the history behind black people not wanting to go to the doctor and things like that. But I think it's very important that we continue to raise the consciousness around our need to uplift the importance of mental health freely and and be happy to seek out therapy. Applaud people for seeking out therapy, for taking care of their mental health. That's something that we should make an esteemed thing and something that we should applaud people for in our community. So I think that's something that we can continually work on. How about this, Ryan? I know you all are always at the forefront when it comes to what's going on with KCPD. They're getting looked at by the DOJ. Y'all got any news on that? Definitely some thoughts, you know, somewhat meaningful, I I suppose. But if we really look at what's being investigated, it's an internal investigation into the patterns and practices of how the department's culture was treating its own police officers. And so it doesn't do anything to actually examine things like excessive use of force or to examine the fact that the police department is covering up murders of black people. And it does not do anything to reckon with the fact that the former police chief literally said everybody in his department would have handled the situation the same way that Eric DeVolcanier did when he murdered Cameron Lamb. There is no examination or investigation into that. And that's a very big problem. You know, I guess I empathize with the black police officers, but they chose to go into that profession. We didn't choose to be overseen by a terroristic police department. And so to me, we should really be concerned with the people who didn't have a choice. And we as a people in the community did not have a choice to have these police overseers and the brutality and violence that they're inflicting on our community. So I think that's to me what should be looked at. But again, I guess this is bringing light to something, even though a lot of this we already knew, you know, the fact we even need to do an investigation is almost insulting because we have been saying as black people for decades that this is a racist, fascist police department. Let me piggyback off what I think you want to want to talk about here. You talked earlier about finally starting to get that credibility that you already know you deserve. But now I guess it's being recognized by white media as if that is some type of metric that you have to meet or something like that. Some of the things that the DOJ is going to be looking into, you have been reporting that your team has been reporting that at the Kansas City Defender. So how are you all navigating this reality where you know you've got the message, you've got the facts that support it, you've got the community behind you. But for some reason, this gentleman's agreement doesn't give you the credibility according to whoever for reasons we approach journalism in a fundamentally different way than white news organizations whether that's the kansas city star whether that's kshb 
whether that is Fox 4. Again, we approach journalism in a fundamentally different fashion than how these white news organizations do. And I'll even say a revolutionary because for them, their official sources are the police department or the mayor or a state official. And our official sources are people in the community. We are a community organization. And so there is a fundamentally different approach there. And, and again, we also see the police department as adversaries to the black community. We see the police department as actual criminal terrorist organization. And so it's like, why would we go to a criminal terrorist organization to verify facts that people in our community have been telling us for decades? To me, that's the reason why white media has been hesitant to grant us any credibility. I doubt that they ever will full on grant us credibility because again, we approach journalism in a fundamentally different way than they do. And a lot of them think that it's not okay the way that we do that. You know, we're happy because we are doing things much differently than journalism has been practiced in this country since it was initially created. Circle back then, you touched a little bit about reporting. There had been some targeting of what black women here in Kansas City. Expand on that. Very recent information about this whole serial killer situation, which I want to address very head on. I would say about two days ago, two or three days ago now, we had a number of individuals in the community, including Bishop Tony from Eternal Life Church, from the Justice Center and the Justice Coalition, which are a number of community organizers and community organizations. We had a number of reports, including people that actually live in this area. They were telling us that numerous black women have been murdered and that numerous black women have disappeared. Black women and black girls have disappeared over the course of the past week. And so we reported that community members were saying this and we said we were going to provide updates and facts as soon as we had them. We clearly stated that this is what the community members were saying. And that as soon as we were able to verify more information or provide any more information, that we will provide those updates and continue to be transparent in our methods and practices. The police department did come out with a statement. I believe they said it was rumors and they said it was completely unfounded. And essentially every single news outlet in the city tried to discredit us or say that we were spreading rumors and misinformation, even though we were very transparent in the fact that we were reporting what numerous community members, community leaders, organizers and organizations in this actual area were saying. Once again, I think that just goes back to the fact that for a lot of these white news organizations, they view the police department as the arbiters of truth. Because we actually went back to the community organizations. They had a meeting last night and we presented them with the statement that the police said. And the people that actually live in this area do not believe what the police are saying right now. They say we have seen personally that there have been multiple deaths because the police department in their statement said there has only been one death in the past six months. The people that live in this area say we know for a fact that there have been multiple deaths over the course of the past week. And also we are talking to the families of multiple girls that are missing right now. They don't have any trust in what the police department is saying. And once again, for us, we listen to the people, take into consideration what the police are saying, but we view them again as a criminal terrorist organization. We are going to continue being transparent in our practices and methods and providing updates as we can. But again, I think that fundamental philosophy difference in the practice of journalism is going to continue to have us and white media outlets butt heads. That's something that's going to continue to occur because we are serving different communities and we have different causes, truly. And we're continuing to navigate the situation and we're going to be putting out some more information very soon. But that's just what the situation is right now.
I'm realizing, Ryan, that and every time I've had you on this show, I've never asked you about the name. Before I let you go, you know, the Kansas City Defender, it's a tribute to Chicago Defender. And I got a feeling there's a lot of folks on my show who have no idea what that means. Can you explain the importance of even just the name? Absolutely. I love that question. For me, you know, I spent a lot of time in Chicago. That's where I went to school at. Even after I graduated from school, I still worked out there. And, and I was in Chicago during the time that Trayvon Martin was murdered and Michael Brown was murdered and Laquan McDonald was murdered and Rakia Boyd and on and on. And so it was a very transformational time in my life when these police murdered people in our community. I came across the Chicago Defender and I just started doing a lot of research and I saw how militant they were. They would say things like, if the Klan comes to your door, take at least two with you. And they were very unapologetic and very unafraid. And they had a lot of enemies. Even the FBI was targeting the Chicago Defender. There were many attempts to discredit the Chicago Defender as well. And they were, again, a very resilient, unapologetic news outlet that was revolutionary in the time. Even for now, they would still be considered revolutionary if they were to be reporting in the same way that they were. I was very inspired. I was very motivated. I look up to them. I continue to read their biography regularly. I have the audiobook as well. Black people have a tradition of the black radical press. Ida B. Wells, you got Frederick Douglass's North Star, Baltimore, Philadelphia. We have a very strong tradition of radical black press. My history in Chicago, and that was one of the first radical black publications that I came across. And I love the work that they did in the community. I love the fact that they also had a thing called the Bud Billiken, Bud Billiken interns, basically. And they had a Bud Billiken column that was all for youth. And to me, that was just very reminiscent of the work that we do with the youth. Even when we very first started the Kansas City Defender, a lot of the things that we were doing without even knowing it were very similar to what the Chicago Defender was doing. And so it just seemed very fitting for our organization. And I just wanted to pay a lot of homage to the inspiration that they provided us. Ryan Sorrell, I'm proud of you, brother. He is the founding editor, the founder and executive editor of the Kansas City Defender. One more time, plug them handles. Thank you so much again, my brother. Thank you. It's always, like I said, a pleasure to come on to the show. Our website is KansasCityDefender.com. That's just KansasCityDefender.com. And on all social media platforms, we are on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, everything. It is Kansas City Defender or on some platforms like Twitter, it's just KC Defender. But either one of those, you, you type in, you'll find us. And thank you so much again. Old pirates, yes, they're all by Sound die to the motion ships Minute after they took us From the bottomless pit But my hand, hand, hand was made strong By the hand of the Almighty We forward in this generation Triumphantly, won't you give to see another songs of freedom? It's all I ever heard. Redemption song, redemption song. Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery. None but ourselves can free our minds Have no fear for atomic energy 
Cause none of them can stop the time And how long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look And some said it's just a part of it Well we've got to fulfill the book Won't you hear me sing Another song of freedom It's all I ever had Redemption song Yes Lord Redemption song Redemption song